Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we're joined by Pamela Z, who we spoke to in January 2021. Thanks so much for making the time to join us. Could you talk about your path from singer-songwriter to composer? How did you find your compositional voice? In the early part of my professional life, basically my early adult life, um, I was a music student um, at the University of Colorado at Boulder. I was uh, studying voice with John Payton. I was very lucky to have him because he was probably the only um, the only instructor on the voice faculty that would allow their their students to sing anything other than bel canto singing. Um, and he he didn't he he preferred that I do you know uh, opera arias and art song when I'm studying with him, but he did not mind that after hours I was going and playing in clubs and singing and uh, other styles of music. Um, there were people on the faculty that would have dropped you as a student if they found out that you were doing that. Um, so, uh, so I was very lucky in that regard. So I went through music school singing, you know, this classical music, mostly like common practice period, uh, and opera, arias, and, and art song and so forth. And at the same time playing uh, like sort of singer songwriter, like kind of rock music and folk rock. Um, uh, in, in 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 clubs and uh, then after I graduated from college, I was actually making my living as a musician, playing um, music in clubs. But at the same time, I was doing um, I had a radio program on the local um, NPR affiliate, um, which was KGMU in Boulder, and I feel like I got my sort of contemporary music and experimental music education from the stacks of the that radio station. And I was doing this freeform radio program where I was just playing works by all manner of contemporary music, avant-garde music, experimental music across all different genres. And so I would be segueing from, you know, Verez and Stockhausen into like, you know, the Ramones and, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, or, you know, uh, Brian Eno or, you know, um, and, and so, uh, I became enamored of contemporary music and I really wanted to veer more in that direction and do things that were more avant-garde than what I was doing, but I was having a hard time finding that. And I tried in my songwriting to just write things that were that were more experimental. And it just ended up sounding like quirky versions of what I was already doing. And um, then at one point, I was exposed to someone using a digital delay. Um, and it happened to be the bassist, Jaco Pastorius, who used to be the bassist of a, of a group called weather report and at a concert he he's uh, the best of the band left the stage and he sat down and started doing a duet with himself by looping his bass into this digital delay and i was just so taken by that i was like 
how is he doing that? And, you know, uh, so I went to a music store the next day. Um, I described it to the guy and he was just like, oh, that's a digital delay. But you don't want the one that Jocko was probably using because that's really low. It's a foot pedal one. It's a really low sampling rate and it's not going to sound great on your voice. So he sold me a rack mountable digital delay unit. And I always tell people I went home and my poor neighbors, I never went to bed that night. I just was um, amazed at what can happen when you can loop and layer your voice. And so I feel like it was, that was a, a very specific moment in time where I actually found my voice as an artist. Because as soon as I started working with the delay, I of course had to run out and buy a bunch of more delays and build a build sort of a, a rig that was made from like a whole stack of digital delay units um, and multi-effects processors and so on and so forth. But the thing that was specific about that situation was that I, I began to listen differently. I began to construct work differently. I became aware of um, other elements being important besides melody and harmony and rhythm. I was, I was much more interested now in timbre and in texture. And um, I became aware of like structures that had to do with repetition and slowly changing processes. And um, I just, uh, I also became really aware of how musical the sound of spoken uh, you know, speech sounds can be because of all the melodic and rhythmic material that is embedded in the speech sound. Um, and so I, um, so I just started composing completely differently. And I basically jettisoned everything I had been doing before that and just started a whole brand new uh, way of working. What are the various ways you work? Is it different composing for others rather than yourself? And do you have a preference? I don't prefer one or, or the other. I'm, I'm just, I, but they are different and I like it that they're different. I think it makes life more interesting that I have these different approaches. And, um, and then I was, uh, I thought it would be helpful to break down for you the different ways that I compose and the different, the different types of work that I do. I've done all kinds of things, but the things I do regularly kind of break down into four categories. And one category would be my solo works for voice and electronics that involve, um, you know, me singing with my gear, like processing and gesture controllers, and uh, maybe occasionally a single channel of video being projected. Um, and then I have these large scale performance works that are more theatrical in nature, and they involve often multiple channels of projected video. They sometimes involve other performers, they um, usually have a lighting design and a set design and involve maybe some kinds of kind of movement on the stage and, and maybe even props. So there's the, those two things. And then um, I also do a lot of chamber compositions these days. And this will be works that were commissioned either by an ensemble or a, or a, a soloist. Um, and uh, those pieces sometimes include a part from my own voice and electronics and other times it's just for the ensemble. Um, and then there is, uh, 
installation, which sometimes takes the form of just sound work that's just a stereo sound work that's just a fixed media piece that's intended to be listened to, or a multi-channel fixed media piece that is intended to be intended to be projected through a, an array of a lot of speakers, um, or uh, it might be um, installation work that involves you know sound and video. Um, often sound and or and or video embedded in objects. And so these are kind of four different ways that I work. The other thing I often do when I'm composing work for chamber ensembles is that I tend to begin building phrases uh, either by singing them or, you know, listening to the text and finding melody in the text and singing that and then transcribing what that is, um, and uh, what, but however I come about deciding the notes, the pitches and rhythms that I'm gonna give to the ensemble, there is a point in time where I enter things in using a MIDI keyboard and I put them into MIDI tracks and Pro Tools and I sort of construct the piece there. And then I export it out, uh, export all the MIDI out and import it into Sibelius, which is a, you know, uh, notation program that I use. And then I sort of work on, on fudging the score and cleaning it up and making it be what it's supposed to be. And then I have to work on like, how do I express all the things that are not notes, that are not like standard notation type of ideas. How do I express those in the score and make it so that it's legible and understandable for whoever it is that's going to be performing it. So that's kind of one way that I work. Um, if I'm making pieces that are just for my solo voice and electronics, the way that I tend to start with those is by setting up all my gear as if I was going to give a performance in my studio. Um, everything that I need, all of my controllers, my everything. And then I start playing and I improvise a lot. And I come up with ideas by doing. Mm -hmm. And um, often the, those things kind of almost come to me whole cloth. Like I'll just be playing around and then all of a sudden I'll realize, you know, the last five minutes that I just did, that's a piece. And then I have to go back and hopefully I was recording and I have to go back and learn it. <laughs> thank you for listening to For Good Measure. And a special thank you to our guest, Pamela Z, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. Four Good Measures produced by Nanette McGinnis and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to audio engineer extraordinaire Stephanie Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.